I want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church here in Columbus, Ohio. We're at the beginning of a brand new series called Holy Spirit in Me, Our Relationship Unleashed. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Understanding the Priority of the Holy Spirit in Our Lives. We are at the beginning of a brand new series uh, starting today, and this new series is called Holy Spirit in Me, Our Relationship Unleashed. Now, I'm going to kind of spell that out. That's kind of a unique title. I've never heard a title like that ever, but there's a reason for that, and uh, we're going to go into that in a little bit, but... Once you get to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, or actually Acts chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to start. But hey, before you do that, look up here for a minute. Um, if you grew up in the 80s, as I did, uh, for those of you who are younger, you may not even remember this or know this ever happened. Uh, for those of you who are older, you for sure will remember this. There used to be a commercial, a set of commercials that would come on on the topic of drug abuse. And if you remember, they were very effective. They were very effective at communicating. Now, it went something like this. This is your brain. This is your brain on Great. So we started this church starting today on drugs. Um, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's a very negative example. Okay? This is who you are. This is who you will become if you get involved in this activity. Now, I want to flip that for a second on its head, and I want to look at a positive example. Here is you, but then what would that look like is you fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us, I don't know if we even know what we would think about that. It's a lot different than an egg in a frying pan. What is it that would happen if I were completely under the control and leadership and power and influence of the Holy Spirit? Who would I go from today to who God could make me into and use me as during this time where we are on planet Earth? And that, to me, is the whole focus of this series. And my heart for you is that whether you can envision that very clearly, probably most of us, and I would throw myself in here, really can't entirely envision that. And here's the reason why. Most of us are not really sure about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Before bits and pieces, some of us know a little bit more, and if you went to a certain type of church, you seem to know a lot about certain parts of it and almost entirely nothing about other parts of the Holy Spirit. It's so, so unknown. Well, my heart is, I don't believe that God's word ever wants us to be unclear. I believe that God's word wants us to be clear on everything that God has spoken on. And I uh, spent time looking at over 300 verses on the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm just going to say, if God brings it up 300 times, he's probably interested in clarity. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to scoot back here for a second to look at a verse 1. My favorite author in the entire scriptures. In this first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. He's referring to the gospel of Luke. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, verse 3, to them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now today, as we look at this text and all the way through verse 8, uh, we're going to be looking at the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at the purpose of the Holy Spirit all in less than three hours. There's a lot in this text. It won't take me three hours. Let's begin looking at uh, verse 4. Notice that it says, do you understand this? Do you understand right here? It says, but wait for the, here it is, the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. Now, I don't know if that rings a bell in your mind or if that is completely unknown. What is it talking about, this promise of the Father? Uh, most of us think of the Holy Spirit in the context of the New Testament. Really, the Holy Spirit is active in almost the same identical ways throughout Scripture. And right here... When it says that the promise of the Holy Spirit would come, that meant something uh, to the apostles, far more than it does to most Christians today. Now, what is this promise? Why would people have wanted this or even known about this? Well, I want to direct your attention to Isaiah. If you're looking for a great book to read on the Holy Spirit, go back to Isaiah. It's a great place. Isaiah 44, 3 through 5, will come up on the screen here. God is speaking to his people. He says, For I will pour water on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. And get this. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand, the Lord's. That's the first time there was a tattoo in the Old Testament. And the final one, and name himself by the name of Israel. Now, how great is it when the people of God experience the power of the Spirit such that even their offspring are passionate about existing under God's leadership? I think that's awesome. And if you know the story of the Old Testament, just the opposite is what was happening. There was only a remnant of people that really were even interested in following God. And what God's saying is there's going to come a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone and your children are going to become passionate about following me in a way they can't even imagine. Now for... Uh, the disciples, we got to keep in mind, this is who he's talking to here. When they heard this concept of the Holy Spirit being poured out, uh, if you want to write this down, Joel chapter 2, they were thinking in terms of the end times and really um, in terms of the whole of Scripture, but the Holy Spirit coming on the people in Acts chapter 2, that was kind of the official beginning of the end times. Okay? We think of the end times as something forward. But really, the end times encompasses everything from Pentecost to the day that Jesus Christ returns. 
Now, when they would have heard this, they weren't thinking of a Pentecost happening per se. They weren't necessarily thinking of other things that we think of in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Here's what they were thinking of. They were thinking that God was now coming down in a unique way to be with his people, to restore relationship with his people. That no longer would it be kind of an awkward, estranged relationship at times with his people, but there would be a sense of the corporate people of God, the nation of Israel being brought back to the heart of God and even being given a new heart themselves so that they would follow God. If you read the story of the Old Testament, it's constantly God's people running off in the ditch and God bringing them back. And then running off in the ditch and God bringing them back. And running off in the ditch. And he said, finally, this is going to end. I'm going to bring my people in. And they're going to love me. And I'm going to put a new heart in them and put my spirit on them. So that's what the apostles were thinking. They were, does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. Well, more than that, Jesus had mentioned in John 14, 16, about the Holy Spirit, and he had told the apostles, he's going to be coming. He's going to be a helper who's going to be with you. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, talks about the fact that um, the Holy Spirit was a gift that the Father was going to give that was uh, coming soon, coming soon. You can see right in verse 4, Jesus said, this is the promise which you heard about from me. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. Now, I want to look at us for a minute. All of us, when we think about the Holy Spirit, you see, some of us are very excited about that. Some of us are confused about that. Some of us are just sort of unclear about that, or some of us know nothing about that. And I'll tell you, if there's a topic in the church that people are confused about, unclear about, uh, arguing about, it's the Holy Spirit. But that's not what I believe God has for our church. And here's further, something further. The times when the church has been most effective and had the greatest impact on the people around them is the time when the Holy Spirit has been most active. Oh, that God would send a pouring out of his spirit on this church, on the churches in Columbus, on the churches in the United States and the West, which is so dry spiritually, and even around the world. That's my prayer. But then again, we have to know what the Holy Spirit is all about if we're going to do that, don't we? Now, the disciples, when they keep in mind where they were at at this point, they were in the what now mode. Jesus had just been raised from the dead. They were asking, is the kingdom here? Like, can you imagine if Jesus Christ had been risen from the dead like two weeks ago? Like, you have no concept of a church. You don't even, you've never even probably heard that term. Okay, you have no concept of what's coming up. It's all vague to you. All you're thinking is, Jesus was dead, now he's alive. Does this mean the end is here and the kingdom is coming? Well, look right in the text. That's what they're thinking. Verse 6, it says, And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to kick the Romans out? And now, clearly, death doesn't even affect you anymore. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, it's very interesting. If you go back to verse 4, the disciples are all thinking about what's next. What does Jesus tell them to do? 
He says, I don't want you to depart Jerusalem. Don't leave. Stay here. Now, if, if, I don't know what Peter was thinking. He was probably thinking about going back up to Galilee and fishing a little bit. He did that for a career, too. It wasn't just that he liked that for a hobby. He, that's what he did for a career. And I don't know what some of the other guys, maybe Matthew is going to go back into business. What do we do now? What do we do now? Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. Because out of Jerusalem would come this promise, this promise that would lead to the presence, the power, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the early church that would be radically altered by the Holy Spirit. Hi, this is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these Meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, we'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. Listen, Jesus was calling them to prioritize the ministry of the Spirit. Now think with me for a minute about this. Imagine with me. Imagine the entire New Testament minus the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The whole thing, imagine the book of Acts with no Holy Spirit. Paul's just randomly, I don't even, does Paul even come to salvation? Maybe he does. Where does he go? What does he do? Almost all the activity that he does is directly linked to the Holy Spirit, both in terms of where to go and what happens. Think about the book of Romans that he writes, which is so filled with how to live in Jesus Christ, how to find victory over sin, all linked to the Holy Spirit. Think about Galatians and uh, salvation by faith versus salvation by works or circumcision, all linked to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Think about Ephesians. Think about Corinthians. Filled, filled. I have a page this long with verses on the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit is absolutely essential. There's no way you can envision a New Testament. Think about even the life of Jesus himself. He's God. He clearly could do anything he needed to do. But even he chose by the will of the Father to live a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. That tells me it's pretty important. Listen, the same is true for us. The same is true for us. And if you gather nothing else out of this sermon, though there is a little bit more to come, the number one thing that I would challenge you to think about is the priority of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church and in your life in particular. Now, notice that he said here they were supposed to wait in Jerusalem. They're supposed to wait for this time to come. And I would tell you today, we're not called to wait. We're not called to wait. But we are called to do some other things. Think of these three things. You can think of which ones you uh, need to do. Uh, the first one is to learn about what the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit with a heart of humility. We're not called to wait. There's a, the Spirit is active. The Spirit is active in this place, in us. And yet, there's so much more we need to learn, uh, not through experience, not through what somebody told us, but from God's Word. And we need to bring a heart of humility to this study. We also need to pray. I love the fact that John, in the book of John, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be a helper. How many of us can say that we need some help? in understanding even this topic, let alone many other things. Called to learn, called to pray, then called to engage. 
And um, my heart is that by the end of this study, we will begin to engage the Holy Spirit according to the scriptures in a new way or increasing way. Notice that it says in verse 8, but you will receive power. You don't know when uh, the, the kingdom's coming. Really, the spiritual side of the kingdom is arriving. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, here's, look, look up here for a minute. Most of us get the power factor. Okay, I, I don't know exactly what all that power means, but I know that there's something good there. I know there's some power to be had. And, and, and then the other part of it, you will be my witnesses. I think we, most of us get that. I'm supposed to be a, a person who has a testimony to the gospel, and I'm supposed to share that. But look right here in the middle of the verse. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, that's a lot more vague. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit on me? Now, in the, in the Old Testament, that happened repeatedly. But for us as believers, sometimes we're unclear on that. What exactly is he talking about? I think about uh, what the disciples would have thought. They would have thought of Moses, of Joshua, of Saul, of David, of Micah, of Samson, and on and on where the Holy Spirit would come on these people and they would do extraordinary things for the people of God. John chapter 14 says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I think there we see Right there we see. Jesus Christ had promised, listen, the Spirit is going to be in you. The Spirit is going to dwell in you. It's going to be a new day. The Spirit is not just going to be with you as in he was in Christ and was active around the apostles, but there was going to come a day when the Spirit would be in the people of God. Now, this, this concept of indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is in me, minus understanding, what does that lead to? That leads to an awkward sort of coexistence with the Holy Spirit in many of our lives. I, I know that as a believer I have the Spirit in me, but I don't really understand what the Spirit, I don't exactly understand how this power is at work entirely. I'm, so it leads to this sort of awkward coexistence with the Spirit. I don't really understand. He's, he's living upstairs, but I don't know. He kind of shows up for breakfast occasionally, but I never know when, and I don't know, I don't know when to invite him. Oh, I don't know. He's just kind of here. Okay? Now, that is not God's heart for God's people. It is not. When I think of an awkward coexistence, I don't think of the powerful witness that Jesus spoke of. He said, you are going to be my witnesses. You're going to be powerful witnesses. That and awkward coexistence to me are not the same thing. But why is it that we have this awkward coexistence? Now, you all in favor of fun in church? Can we laugh at ourselves occasionally? You all favor that? Okay, I got five stereotypes that I think we fall into in our perception of who the Holy Spirit is. Okay, five stereotypes. See if you have some of these in your own life. 
Stereotypes that lead to an awkward coexistence. Here's the first one. The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Okay, now I grew up in an era where when I think of ghost, I think of spooky. And in addition to that, I think of like disembodied spirits of creepy. Now, why the King James chose Holy Ghost? I guess that was before Halloween was in play. But this idea of the Holy Ghost, okay, okay. Here's another one. Stereotypes. Silent partner. Uh, the Holy Spirit is like this silent partner within the Trinity, and he's kind of like a, he's there, but he's not really there. But he's, I think he's there, but I'm not really sure. Is he there? You ever felt that way? It's a stereotype, the silent partner. I know he's in the Trinity, because clearly when we were baptized, you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know what the Father does, I know what the Son does, but this, this role of the Spirit, is it, I don't really know, is he Here's a third stereotype. This one maybe is the funniest of them. A pseudo-Santa. Pseudo-Santa, okay? The Holy Spirit comes like pseudo-Santa. He brings gifts. He brings gifts, which the kids fight over. But he's not like Santa because he doesn't eat cookies, and he doesn't come down the chimney, and he is real. Here's the fourth stereotype, the dove. Now, when I think of a dove, I, I don't know what you think of. I think of something harmless. I think, I mean, I know they're a feisty bird, actually. But I think of something harmless. I think of peace. We Usually, it's a symbol for peace. But it doesn't really seem like something I would think of as powerful. I don't know, are you the same place? Here's the last one. Stereotypes we have. A mystical force. A mystical force. I grew up in the Star Wars era with a name like Luke. <laughs> Everywhere I went, as soon as I introduced myself, my name is Luke. Oh, Luke! I am your father. Okay? Now, what I heard less than that, but almost as much, playing baseball, doing things, you know, you go up to the plate, and what do people say? Luke, use the force. Which means what? Don't strike out? Sometimes we have this idea of the Holy Spirit as sort of like some sort of superpower that's in us that helps us do things like really cool things. But I'm not sure how this force works, and it's kind of impersonal. And see, that's a stereotype. That's a stereotype. And when I think about all these stereotypes and I see all these stereotypes in play, what it leads to is a sense of this Holy Spirit is kind of rather confusing. And what it leads to in the church is a sense of, not only is it confusing, but it's also potentially divisive, and, um, you know, maybe we should just move ahead and not really talk about it. He's there, we'll kind of know he's there as a silent partner, but I don't really want to get into that because we run the risk of, of division and more confusion, and um, let's, just, let's just leave that topic alone. And I'll tell you, if there's been one thing that's gone wrong in the church over the last 2,000 years, it's the absence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And um, everybody who thinks that the Holy Spirit stopped acting in the book of Acts is basically telling the Holy Spirit to stay in the closet and never come out. 
Now, maybe we all wouldn't say it that way. I've read plenty of theological books that tell me all the things about the Holy Spirit, but I'm looking for more than things about the Holy Spirit. Revival comes not when we know about the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit is cut loose and unleashed. And when the people of God begin to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and operate in the Spirit, that's when revival comes. And that's, that's what we're going for, not a sense of this awkward sort of... Listen, when I, th- when I think of all these awkward stereotypes and more I could go into, that's not what Jesus said to stay in Jerusalem for. Jesus didn't tell the disciples to stay put in Jerusalem because some awkward, confusing, divisive uh, element was about ready to come in the church. He said to stay in Jerusalem because the most powerful thing that had ever and would ever happen in the church was about to happen and to be cut loose. And that is where my heart is for our church, to fully embrace what God has for us. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.